I don't know if you've noticed, but I think one of the uh, big advantages where we have a team of elders is that we think differently. And the way Sam thinks and the way I think are very different. Uh, I don't, when, when he starts, he often gives you a question in a way of getting settled to think about. And I usually can't think, well, how on earth to answer that because my brain doesn't work that way. So, to help you get settled, I've got a question which I'm sure will suit Luke and people who like uh, Luke's quizzes. Right, can anyone tell me what is the connection between Farouk Bolsara and a three-piece suit? A lot of very blank-looking faces. Right, it might help you, but you probably don't. You probably knew Farouk Bolsara by his stage name as Freddie Mercury. So, what's the connection between Freddie Mercury and a three-piece suit? Any ideas? Right. Three-piece suit is developed from a style of clothing which was worn by Charles II when he came back from Europe in 1660 and made popular. It was known as a, the Persian style of clothing. Freddie Mercury came to this country from Zanzibar in the 1960s because his family, who were Parsis, uh, were either expelled or decided it wasn't particularly wise to stay there. The Parsis were a group of Zoroastrian followers who were expelled from Persia to India in the 8th century AD by the Muslims. So the connection between them is they're both from Persia. And of course, the Zoroastrians, their spiritual leaders were known as Magi. And so there's our connection into today. See, I can get very obscure when I choose to. Okay? <laughs> right, so let's have a look. The visit of the three Magi, apart from the fact there weren't three, because we don't know how many there were, but they weren't wise men or kings or anything else either. Uh, so anyway, let's get started. Uh, Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 to 15. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, now as I was praying earlier, Jesus was born at a specific time in a specific place. Behold, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people, inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written in the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd, my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. 
After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen in the east went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. We've got two questions about this passage. Firstly, what happened? And secondly, what didn't happen? I think with stories, we always want more detail. And when there isn't enough detail, we can either invent it, as in they were three and they were kings, or we can try and deduce what is most likely to happen from what we know about the culture and the time. So what I'm going to share today is sort of ideas I've filtered from about three or four different sources, uh, including one which is... I found my web search was definitely a very heretical website, but at least they uh, raised one or two interesting questions. So, let's have a look at some of the points in the passage. Why was Herod and all of Jerusalem troubled when these magi from the east arrived? Or put it another way, how come these magi were so important that they could demand an audience with King Herod? Which was actually quite interesting. You know, I, until I saw that in one of the things I was reading, I think that might be one of the heretical bits. Uh, actually, it's not something I've really asked myself. You know, we're not talking about average tourists turning up in Jerusalem and wanting to see the sights and thinking, oh, there's a new king turned up, being born, let's find out about him. Okay, they might not have been kings, but they were important. You know, the Magi had a role in the political realm in Persia. Fifty years earlier or thereabouts, because we don't know the exact date of this. And again, I recently I've read a very interesting article. It's very difficult to know about dates in the Bible because they didn't have AD and BC. They didn't have a uniform system of dating, which we have now. You dated things via other events. Who was the king? And then how you decided how many king years a king had reigned depended on which culture you're in and when you started counting from and when you flipped over to the next year. So we can't be certain about all these exact dates. But about 50 years earlier, there'd been a great battle and the Persians had wiped a Roman army out. And 
from this, that, all through the, this New Testament period and the period up to the rise of Islam, there's this conflict between Rome and Persia going on in this, and Judah is on the edge of the, uh, what's happening. So it's a, you know, it's a very unstable situation. So Herod obviously doesn't want to annoy these magi. He might want to annoy these magi. He seemed to be quite good at annoying everybody and killing them if uh, he, uh, that took his fancy. And at this point, he's getting a bit worried that nobody would uh, cry when he died. So he was planning to get some of the leading people of Judah uh, killed when he died. So at least there'd be some people crying at his funeral. It was a really nice piece of work, this Herod. So they want to annoy him, because obviously, if he annoys them, the Romans might not be too pleased, and he's only there because the Romans allow him to be there. So, so they've got this question, where's this king? It then gets, if you look at verse 4... We're told that Herod inquired of the chief priests and the scribes, where would the Christ be born? I don't think these magi were talking about the Messiah. But obviously this is how Herod is interpreting it. And of course, again, we're, this is deduction bit. The implication is that uh, they didn't find it a difficult question to answer. Oh, Bethlehem. You know, obvious, everybody knows that. Uh, the bit where it's written in the prophet, we don't know whether that's what they said or that's what Matthew's put in for people who wouldn't know about why Bethlehem was the obvious answer. So, it doesn't seem to have taken them much time to have worked out the answer. So, easy. And what about this star? What was it? Of course, it's one of these things which you get all kinds of people trying to give answers. Could have been a supernova, which is an old star which explodes at the end of its life and for a very short period of time gives out so much light that you can possibly see it during daytime. There was one in the 1980s, but unfortunately only visible in the southern hemisphere. So, you know, it, and it fades away after a while. Or, it could have been a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in Pisces. I'm having to read this bit. Which, given that the, uh, the astrology which you get these days is developed from the thinking of the Magi. That's where it's come from. Whether it means anything or not, is not the issue here. The point is, this is how the Magi would have interpreted that. Basically, things Pisces represents the end of the old and the beginning of the new. Jupiter was associated with royalty. Saturn was associated with Israel. Now, in a conjunction, two planets which normally you'd see in separate parts of the sky are so close together they almost appear one and therefore they appear brighter. 
And in 7 BC, this happened three times in May, October, and December. So, putting those bits together, what it's telling you is that something royal, new royal in Judah. So, new king, obvious assumption. And we know from two Roman authors and a Jewish author, who weren't Christians, that at this time there were rumours going round that a new king was going to be... uh, uh, a new ruler will come from Judea with a universal kingdom. So, could be the Magi knew of these stories and put two and two together and got four? Who knows? We just don't get, not given enough detail. But what it does imply is that God used what they would understand to get them to come and worship. And I think that's something we need to remember, and that's something I need to remember, is that God will use what individuals will understand themselves to bring them. Now, I remember back in uh, the 70s, I don't remember things like Jesus Christ Superstar, those around the time. Now, I wouldn't recommend it from a theological point of view, but God used things like that to draw people to himself. Okay, you go from the false, which God might use to draw you, to the truth. You know, you don't stick with what was false, but God will use different ways for different people. So let us not discount what God is doing in different people's lives. Just because it doesn't work the way we think God ought to work. Even if it seems to be the exact opposite to the way we think God ought to work. He, he will use what people need. So, these magi have come to Jerusalem, get told you need to go to Bethlehem, they head off to Bethlehem and they bring their gifts and they worship. And again, we can see patterns. Jesus is worshipped first by the poor and the lowly. By Mary and Joseph, who are too poor, we discover later, to bring the full strength sacrifice for the firstborn son being born. So they have to get you make do with two pigeons instead. If we take Luke's gospel as well, he's worshipped by the shepherds. Who I think I mentioned before Christmas, uh, were so uh, looked down on, you wouldn't accept their evidence in a court of law. He was worshipped first by the poor and the lowly, only left later by the strong and the mighty. But notice he's worshipped by both. And notice the order. So those are things which did happen. But what didn't happen? What happened when the Magi didn't go back to Herod as they were meant to? 
Now, I can't see Herod being Herod, not having some people uh, uh, tailing them and finding out what they actually did. So why didn't Herod go and get hold of the Magi when they didn't come back and tell him where this uh, new king was? Which again ties in with the idea that these were important people you couldn't mess with. And they probably had, you know, uh, about a 200 bodyguard might be possible. You know, they wouldn't have been travelling in a small group. But the other question which one of the uh, commentaries I looked at raised, which I hadn't really thought about. The Magi went to Jerusalem to find out where this king was born, told Bethlehem, went to Bethlehem, worshipped. What did the priests and the scribes do? They knew the answer the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. God has sent the Magi to tell, say, we're coming to look for this king. And what do they do? Nothing as far as we can tell. They stayed in Jerusalem. Why? Well, if we look at how they behaved when Jesus started his ministry... But, as I said, Herod wasn't nice. You didn't want to get on the wrong side of Herod. So presumably, the priests and the scribes were so frightened of Herod, they didn't want to risk getting on the wrong side of Herod by showing any interest in this king who's come. And I think that's a question for us. You know, are we, do we allow ourselves to put following Jesus top? Or are we worried about we won't go to worship because that might be risky in some way to us? So I thought that, that those were interesting questions. Do we worship wholeheartedly? Again, comes back to a bit what Maggie said. What are we looking for? Are we, you know, if we see what God is doing, are we willing to respond? Or do we either say, it wasn't quite what I expected, or this is a bit too risky for me? And they're questions we have to, in a sense, keep asking ourselves and keep responding to time and time again. They're not sort of one-off questions. They're ones which we need keep coming back to. Right. Uh, Barry and Steve, can you get the bread and wine and take them round? <laughs>